Welcome to the Insider's Edge podcast here on the WCWA Network. I'm your host with the most on the West Coast, California in Fury. It's a joy, honor, and privilege to be with you all once again. And speaking of a joy, honor, and privilege, right here, right now, I get to speak to one of the most beloved performers in the history of extreme pro wrestling and beyond. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the one. This is the only. This is the incomparable Homeless Jimmy. How are you, sir? Wow, thank you. Uh, I don't think I've heard such a great introduction. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Um, you, should be like a, you should be a host of some sort, you know? That's <laughs> pretty good. I like it. <laughs> Thanks, bro. Um, always get a few compliments on my intros. Uh, but, Jimmy, the first question usually on the show is, how did you become a wrestling fan before you got into the wrestling business? Well, when I was uh, young, I was... I was born here in uh, the United States, California, uh, Los Angeles area. It kind of, you sink into little suburbs and I was in North Hollywood. Um, and uh, my aunt's neighbor had a young boy and he had shared, uh, I guess, custody of this boy. And so I would only see him on the weekends. And so, and we would play because he was in our next door neighbor's yard, you know, it was our yard together kind of deal. So we became real good friends. And he said, Hey, do you want to watch uh, wrestling with my dad? And I was like, what's wrestling? And so I got permission, you know, I told my aunt where I was at, went in their house and uh, that was it. I saw Hulk Hogan running around and Macho Man and Undertaker and all these people coming alive at that time. You know what I mean? Uh, I was like bedazzled and I was like, wow, that's what I want to do. <laughs> I think I, I was like five years old. I was about five years old when that, when about that time. Wow. And, uh, it was a, it was a dream come true to become a pro wrestler. I've been told I can't do it because I was too short, too small. You know, wrestlers are big, humongous guys, which was true. Very true. But in all honesty, uh, with my skill in martial arts and and I did uh, I was uh, a history of mine went on to uh, I went to Israel and I lived in Israel for 12 and a half years and uh, still wanted to be a pro wrestler you know that was my dream you know so but I ended up getting into martial arts because there was no wrestling so I got into something else that was going to help bring me up in this world without being picked on by the big dog you know what I mean yeah because I'm a little chihuahua i better learn how to fucking bite real hard yeah that's the doggy dog world once you get the fact of that then you know where you're going in life it's a it's a doggy dog world and so you got to bulk up and you got to learn how to take care of yourself and so i did martial arts and then uh i went into the israeli army and i learned a lot of craft and skills there which exceeds the normal everyday person and then you go come and then in 1995 I came back to the states and uh, I went and saw a gentleman that I knew as my dad 
He was basically like an adopted dad when I first five years of my life grew up with him and his family. Um, uh, he was like, so what do you want to do now that you're back? And I said, I want to, uh, you know, I got to find a job and, and such. And he goes, no, I know, silly. What's, what's your hobbies? What's your ambition? What's your dreams? What do you want to be when you grow up? You know, I was like, I don't know. I want to find a wrestling school. I want to be a pro wrestler. And he was like, pro wrestling? What, what, what makes you say that? And I said, <laughs> I wanted to do, be that since I was a knee high to a grasshopper. And, you know, the old saying. And he laughed because, you know, that is an old saying. And uh, I remembered it as a, as a kid growing up. I still remembered that when I was a kid. That's probably something he used to tell me, you know you're knee high to a grasshopper or whatever so uh um he goes that's funny you say that because he says you remember my nephew darren and i was like mm, kind of you know i was i was five when i left his house and went and lived with my mom and my aunt somewhere else you know what i mean and so and then moving to israel i was away from him from for 12 and a half years so i i didn't really remember his family you know sort of speak because I was real young, taken away, and then uh, so I went went to this wrestling. She says he has a, he teaches wrestling here, Darren. He teaches wrestling here, and uh, <laughs> sorry I mumbled there for a minute because I'm trying to reminisce. You know, <laughs> but, uh, it's a, it's a big story of why I want to become. It's not just how, why or you know what I mean. It, it, the whole process, it was like magic. My dad saying, "Well, you know what." My, my nephew teaches wrestling out here. You should go and see his show. So that first weekend, I was there on a Wednesday. I went to see him on a Wednesday. I came back from Israel in uh, early 95, right? And that Wednesday, I got there on a, like a Sunday or a Monday. Wednesday, I went to see my dad. And then Saturday, I went to a wrestling show. You know what I mean? It was like... <laughs> pushed right into the door you know and yeah. so my, we reintroduced ourselves me and my cousin and uh he was like uh well watch the show you know and let me know how you like it so i watched the show and comes back after i we waited until fans left kind of deal and i stuck around and he came out of the locker room and he said so how'd you like it i said i loved it he said when do you want to start i said yesterday <laughs> and that was it. The next Wednesday was a class. And then they had to show on, uh, they used to have shows on Thursdays for some reason. Their show, their in front of crowd shows were, were on a Thursday night, which was, uh, everybody thought was silly, but that was Fern Langdon school, Slammers wrestling school. And so, uh, that was it. I started from there. I started, uh, training and, uh, you know, history is it's been 26 years now uh or 27 going on 27 years i think right yeah 95 to, yeah 27 years you know, that's a long time i retired in 2020 yeah so, but i'll let you get on with your uh question sorry man <laughs> I'll, I'll ramble right. on if you want me to but that's, <laughs> that's old, my my uh that was pretty much how i got into the business from wanting to be a pro wrestler you know yeah from, no that's from, from five years old up to there that was my stare how I, how i went pretty yeah. much rapidly. yeah excellent bro uh, thanks for sharing all that you know it's it's always interesting to to hear about uh the journey from 
the first time you saw it, the bug bites you, and then you've got all these years to wait to get there, and then finally it's happening. Uh, so I find that those uh, it's, it's yeah, charming. I didn't. I didn't, it's charming. I didn't really. I didn't really wait. I ended up training in a way because I, I did my first thing that I did was uh, judo. Yeah. Then I went on to I did a little bit of judo. And then I, when we moved to another place in Israel, because my mom moved around a lot for some reason. So we jumped around from place to place. But uh, one place I learned judo. And then a few late, years later, I did uh, karate. And then I did uh, some kind of Shaolin uh, Kung Fu, but it was free, uh, freehand. They didn't teach you the katas like they do. You know what a kata is? No. In, in karate, they have a segments of, of moves. It's called a kata. Okay. You ever see they go in a you ever seen them in the kung fu movies, Bruce Lee movies, where they're they're oh, going, yeah. ha, ha, and then they turn and they go ha ha and then they do another move and stuff. Yeah. So those are called patas. It's segments of of movements of you know teaching. It's basically doing the ABCs, but each move you're doing trying to perfect that move. Right. Awesome. Um yeah. <laughs> so you've, you've got all this background. You, you, you start training to to become a professional wrestler as well. Um, time wears on. Where, when does the point come where uh, uh, you meet uh, Rob Black or you become involved with XPW? Uh, how does that all come about? And, and, and tell me a little bit about the creation of uh, the Homeless Jimmy character. All right. So uh, there I'm training with my cousin, Darren, he went under uh, the, the alias of uh, Dynamite D. He was the crippler at the time. He was one of the heels, one of the bad guys, you know. And uh, he was also the school's teacher. And so he's doing shows in front of live audiences. They had several hundred uh, people in the audiences in several places here in California. So it wasn't a small, you know, fed for back in the early or mid-90s. Yeah. You know what I mean? Slammer's wrestling school was around for a long time. They had a lot of uh, good names going in and out of that school. Um, but uh, after a while, uh, me and the owner didn't get along, and I ended up going out and wanting to venture and find different companies to work for as a pro wrestler, you know. And uh, Vern wasn't very happy about stuff like that anyway, so we cut ties and just then my cousin broke ties with the school too and calls me up and said hey i want to start my own thing you want to join i said hell yeah <laughs> so we ended up doing a, a company called sccw southern california championship wrestling and uh we had several shows you know we had a lot of good characters a lot of people in and out you know uh respectfully we did a, a like intermingle with other companies slash schools out in a different town of our Simi Valley uh so it was kind of like a cool you know family style wrestling you know circuit going around here and then uh one day we had a big show and our like we wanted to do our pay-per-view our years thing or whatever it was uh, we had Yokozuna from uh, the WWE or WWF back then, you know, and the Honky Tonk Man. <laughs> Those were the, the big names at the time. 
And uh, so we had a big show there at UCLA, which is a big uh, um, college yep. here in California, UCLA. So we actually had one of their tennis courts and turned it into a wrestling show. And uh, that's where Rob Black met my cousin and said, hey, I, I'm, uh, you know, big fan, whatever, you know, they, sh they, they did their little schmooze, you know, and one thing led to another handshake and money here and there. And they said, uh, my cousin said, well, if I sell my school, all my guys get a two-year contract with, with this company, so-called company that you're going to start building. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so he was like, yeah, sure. So here we are. We're now bought into a company called XPW. They bring in other people. Some people I've known from other schools and stuff like that. Some other names were being bought, brought in and out. And then there, the, the big surprise was Big Dick Dudley from ECW was going to be there. Yeah. You know, but hush, hush. Nobody's supposed to know this. It's a big secret. You know, cool. All right. So we're sitting in this building with our ring set up in it, you know, and uh, it was actually a porn company. Yeah. We, we walk into the building and it's like there's sets and there's, there's uh, uh, walls of DVD, DVDs and stuff. And it had a warehouse and everything. So we're in a porn set slash warehouse in California. And, uh, <laughs> uh, so that was like, a, you know, what the hell is going on? So we're sitting all in this big room. Rob Black comes in finally, you know, after we're soaking up everything, there's t-shirts and everything else going on. And uh, uh, he was like, all right. He said, all of you guys here, he said, uh, got a two-year contract. But after that, there's no promises. You know, there's nothing, obligations, no nothing, because this is going to rise to the top. This is going to be the, the big kahuna. This is going to be the running for the next spot, which yeah. at the time was WWE, WCW, ECW. And then Combat Zone started the same time as us, but neither one of us got the publicity. We both got it at the same time. Yeah. XPW and CZW, Combat Zone Wrestling, were their level and didn't know it yet yeah. basically we we're rising to the top just as a, you know as as we started you know what i mean um but not jumping forward so yeah all of you guys are gonna be here you know you got a job for two years whatever we're gonna some of you we're gonna change your names and stuff you know we got some ideas here we'll throw you stuff and so we're like okay so we go in and work out in, in the gym in the squared ring area and uh rob comes out and he's discussing with his well, who he wants as his side people which kevin kleinrock phenomenal person yeah. phenomenal <laughs> can't i can't put him higher on a marquee in this business he should be somewhere um, you know what he's better off where he's at than working for people that do shit like what's going on now yeah you know what i mean for whatever it is, other companies, I don't know, you know, but back to the XPW, he was definitely one of the higher ups in that company. You know, he ran shit. He made yeah. things happen. 
I'm allowed to cuss on this, right? Of course. <laughs> All right. <cool. laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, they're thrown out. People had, you know, their their gimmicks and stuff like that. So you're asking about that, right? You said the reminisce on that point. Yeah. Well, at first uh, glance, I guess Rob Black didn't like me from what I understood from a couple people that were right there next to him. And, you know, when I believe somebody over what you say, that's just the gist of it. So I guess, you know, he said, what are we going to do with this short, fat fuck? right about me and mind you right now i'm at 200 and uh 206 or seven eight pounds right right now i had to lose a lot of weight because i gained a lot of weight i was i was 234 pounds not too long ago but then i started having uh issues with my health and i was like well i better lose some weight because according to the charts i'm obese you know (laughs) but i was i was about 210 you know around there when he when he first saw me so i don't think i was that fat short yes i can't help it you know what i mean Uh, string me upside down i heard that worked you know (laughs) (laughs) vertebrae a little bit gain an inch or two but that's the best i could do you know but uh it was like, all right, you know, they didn't know what to do with my name at the time. And uh, time came up, the show, the first show was going to come about. And I was getting kind of worried because I didn't think they were going to come up with anything for me. You know what I mean? And then uh, Rob comes up and he goes, hey, uh, how about if you do uh, a neo-Nazi gimmick? <laughs> Fuck shave your head get you all cleaned up come out there and whatever blah 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 i said i don't think that's gonna work (laughs) and he said why not i said because my family is jewish (laughs) i don't think they'll appreciate it and i guarantee a lot of my family will be there in support of your show yeah (laughs) fair enough sorry i'm not gonna do no (laughs) I'm not going to do any Hail Hitlers or, or Mein Kufs or any of that shit. Sorry. <laughs> like, fuck, you know, whatever. Da, 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 da. Back to the drawing board, right? Then they came up, come up to me and they're like, hey, we got this gimmick. We want you to start uh, rehearsing verses from the Bible. And you're going to be one of the altar boys. You're going to be either Luke or you're going to be uh, Matthew. I think it was Matthew and Luke, the altar boys. I don't know if you knew them from any yeah. time. Yeah. So, well, I was supposed to be one of those altar boys. <laughs> and, and, and for some reason, thank you. I had a, a, an obsession with tattoos that were skulls. And uh, Rob was like, well, at one point we want Jimmy to be uh, sh- shirtless. Or he didn't call me Jimmy at the time. He said, we want him to be shirtless. And, uh, you know, I was not going to work with his tattoos, blah, blah, blah. So I heard him arguing over that. And then one day, I think it was it was the week of the show. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, they're all, they're standing there again. And, uh, Kevin Kleinrock, it was, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Patrick Hernandez, which was the referee, the main referee. Uh, 
white trash Johnny Webb was there because yeah. he was actually uh, somehow he, he's he's a genius with uh, computers and stuff like whatever I guess you know doing podcasts and stuff so he did, did a lot of the editing for them and so he was there with Rob obviously part of his little group right and uh, it's like so what are we going to do with this guy right and white trash johnny webb goes well you know he's kind of a homeless guy he, he jumps from from bed to bed you know uh, from couch to couch lives in uh, people's you know uh, car whatever he's he's here and there which was kind of true i did sleep on you know my aunt's couch my grandma's you know and when i first got back from israel i was 23 and i was just bouncing around you know doing the odd end jobs to make money and go to a wrestling school you know what i mean so <laughs> yeah. i did that for a long time and uh that's what he said but and then rob's eyes got big and he goes yeah so we're gonna call him jimmy the homeless guy right <laughs> and that was that was it from there it stuck you know they they called me homeless jimmy or jimmy the homeless guy and uh they actually wrote it in their in their books you know Jimmy the homeless guy and uh it wasn't until uh I think towards almost you know the middle to end of my time with XPW that the fans were really liking me and they were like they didn't want to go Jimmy the homeless guy Jimmy the homeless so they started going homeless Jimmy yeah homeless Jimmy and so I took on the homeless Jimmy role that's that's who I represented. That's what, who I was for, you know, the 20 some years after that. You know what I mean? Awesome, uh, bro. Yeah. So that's how it all came about. Um, I really love the vignettes uh, and uh, uh, what was put together with uh, the, the the background of the character. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about that? And, uh, and who was the, uh, the, the girl that played the girlfriend in these vignettes? <laughs> uh the girlfriend in the one in the vignettes the life's the story of homeless jimmy <laughs> she was just uh one of rob black's girls yeah and she of course did i guess porn right uh, she wasn't like a, she wasn't like a major star she just probably did maybe one or two and then they're like hey we'll we'll use you because i mean unfortunately the business of porn they have thousands and thousands of men and women that do that you know what i'm saying and so not everybody's going to be a, a superstar like you know whatever so she was just another person that was probably on maybe one or two uh things and then they asked her if she wanted to play this part with me and then that was it you know yeah i didn't know her from nothing you know it was a cordial. <laughs> Uh, thing going on and it was the story was cool because it was close to my real life story I didn't have a girlfriend that went into porn but I was in the I was in the military yeah you know and that's where they got the whole they the twitch you know I I created that actually watching uh Friday when uh um what's his name uh Smokey was in the barn and he was talking about doing the meth or whatever it was, <laughs> and he was looking around and he started you know brushing himself off so i would come out and i would start doing the scratch and brush things off that weren't there yeah you know what i mean 
I came out with the shopping cart. That was, I'm the first one ever to use that. You know, if you ever see any wrestling and somebody's getting thrown on a shopping cart or anything, I'm the innovator of all that. You know, everybody takes a, a credit. There's a lot of people that take credit for things, you know, like Abdullah the Butcher, I think, is one of the first that did the, the fork. Yeah. You know, it's fork in your mouth. And I got forked by Abdullah the Butcher, uh, which was cool. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> that was a that was a cool time in my career was uh, getting to wrestle against Abdullah the Butcher. And that was for an XPW episode. Um, yeah, so that was that was uh, one of the highlights of my of my career was wrestling against him. Another show was uh, Kevin Kleinrock actually had kind of the the top range without XPW, and they had a, a um, the XPW um, uh, Cold Day in Hell, yeah. I think it was. Yeah, right, the Cold Day in Hell, and. Uh, that had uh, Terry Funk, you know, as a special guest referee and him raising my hand in victory. That's probably that that just right there <laughs> completed my journey. You know what I mean? Right there. I could have retired then and been happy with the, with being where I was at in the business. You know? Yeah, that's awesome, bro. Um, I, I wanted to scale back a little bit to these early days. Uh, you you're actually you compete what I, I believe a receded country club on the 31st of july 99 the first ever xpw match uh on yeah. the first show uh so this I, I like to ask about 99 kind of era for xpw uh with with you guys because it doesn't really get talked about a lot that all the big incidents get talked about mostly but i just want to ask what it was like working in your early career with guys like John Cronus, Axel Rotten, Chris Candido in early 2000, uh, 1999, that kind of era. How did that help you as a performer working with these guys? Oh my gosh. I, I can't begin to tell you that how much of a thrill it was for me to work with these individuals and get to know them personally. Um, gosh, I'm going to start with, uh, the best in my mind was, or the closest that I got with was John Cronus. Um, and he was, he was probably the best person that, that I could have come across in that era from that place, you know, him and, and, and Alex Rizzo, which was big Dick deadly. Those two were just like, uh, I mean, they, they saw something in me and they knew they would, they didn't hesitate to tell me that. And they, they, you know, we had some of the best matches and, uh, you know, uh, I don't know how to explain it other than, uh, the fact that, you know, when, when you give everything into what you, you love doing, you know, other people see that and they see that you're there wanting to do this, you know what I'm saying? That you're giving your all, you're, <laughs> it doesn't matter. They tell you to jump, jump, you know what I mean? And so, uh, that's how I was, that's how I was taught. And, you know, they all saw that. And so I actually got to hang out with, uh, big Dick, big Dick Dudley in my apartment. You know what I mean? Uh, John Cronus and I actually, uh, um, roommated in, in Ohio, which is the East coast part of the States. Um, and, uh, 
yeah, I, I roommated with him for a little while, you know, or he with me because it was my trailer, you know, but I had a spare room on the other end and, you know, he stayed with me for a while and hung out and did some shows in Ohio. <laughs> He's a, he's a crazy fun dude, man. Here's a here's a good person. I sorely missed, sorely missed. Uh, our my life would probably be a lot different had they all been alive. Because I'm gonna say this on your podcast. I don't really always mention it, you know. If I do, you know, this is something that that a lot of people don't know because at the time when TNA was coming up uh, and there were some other shows. I think the Wild Samoans have um, their show. I can't remember right now. Uh, sometimes I get brain farts, you know, hear <laughs> <laughs> shots in the head, you know, so many uh, dings in the head. Um, I can't remember all the, the company's names, but you yeah. know, the Samoans have their school not far. Uh, uh, Knox Pro. Yeah. Knox Pro. So, uh, at the time when I was about to leave XPW, uh, Big Dick Dudley was like, listen, brother, I want you to go with me to one of these shows. You know, I want you to be part of this show. I want you to leave XPW and come with me and start this company. Big names are going to be there. He said, this is going to be a big deal. You just can't say nothing to anybody. It's a big, big deal. And he didn't really tell me what it was. So, I mean, for all I know, I could have been part of TNA when they first started. You know what I mean? I would have jumped ship with him. I was get, I was ready to leave XPW anyways, so I would have I would have been part of another big segment had uh, Big Dave Dudley passed away too. And then uh, mm. that was like, well, that's a that was that was a that was a big. Uh, dip for me kind of thing you know I had a hard time because I just lost two good friends at the time close to each other you know yeah so it, it was a <laughs> that was that was a, a could be highlight of my life you know what I mean that was a what would have happened you know one of those questions in life you know yeah I understand it and I I'm sorry for your loss uh you know because I I can tell it's everybody it's anybody that was a wrestling fan that loved ECW. I mean, those guys were yeah. big time ECW guys, you know, and then, uh, uh, working with, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Axel run working with him was, was phenomenal. He was a, such a good worker, such a funny person. You know what I mean? Uh, it's, it's hard to keep a straight face when you're in the ring with people like that. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like um, he'd be like, he would have been like, um, what's, uh, oh shoot. I don't even try and re reference, a, a, an actor to, to who he was, but he was, uh, he'd be like one of those life of the party kind of guys. Axel rotten. Yeah. Not when you're in the ring with him though. He's, he's pretty he's pretty brutal with you but he he's he still has a good time doing it he'll beat your head in but but still you know tell you a joke in the middle of the of the ring it's like <laughs> what did you punch me a couple of times why are you telling me a joke now you know <laughs> um but speaking of you know situations like that uh 27th of may 2000 at the strongbow stadium 
in Bakersfield. Uh, you mentioned it a little bit before, working with Abdullah the Butcher um, so early into your wrestling time and career in XPW. Tell me a little bit more about that experience with him. With Abdullah? Yeah. Well, uh, an, again, another great legend in the business. And uh, I was actually kind of, you know, not intimidated at first, but didn't know what to take, what to make of, of him. Yep. And then uh, very, you know, soft-spoken, direct, you know what I mean, person. He's, he's, you know, nice, very nice, very whatever, respectful. And then, but out in the ring, again, <laughs> it's a different thing, you know, putting on a show you got to make it look good. And I'm going to toss that shopping cart into your head, you know, without even letting you know, that's the type of person Abdullah Butcher is. I mean, he was a, a very, very good person though. I mean, it was, it was an honor working with him. And uh, <laughs> again, somebody that treated me out of, out of somebody that I had looked up to, in these magazines and, and DVDs that I would stumble across when I was a teen in Israel. Imagine how hard it, you know, it's probably just as maybe as hard, if not harder than finding stuff in Australia, you know what I mean? <laughs> it, was, it, it was a commodity, you know, some of the, some of the stuff, but I did catch the ECW shows and stuff. So I grew up watching this stuff with friends and I'd wrestle around with them and say, Hey, this is who I want to be one day. And they would laugh and whatever. And, you know, <laughs> they, they believed in me, but you know, it was still a joke with them because, you of know, course. when you're a kid, when you're a kid, you don't think about it. You know, they, they didn't know that eventually they are going to lose me to coming here. I haven't seen my uh, friends in Israel for uh, some of them for 26, 27 years now. Wow that I grew up with for, <laughs> for years. Yeah. There's my, the last group of friends that were like my best friends were friends for seven years growing up, you know, and then I just disappeared. And now there's, they're still all friends. They're all still a, a, a tight crowd. Right. You know? So it's almost time for me to go and visit my friends before I have to visit my maker. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think so too. That would be a good idea. Um, uh, another thing, bro, that I, I've, I've brought up to everybody that was at this particular show because I want to put a video together with everybody's perspectives and stories of this day. It's July 16th. It's Heatwave 2000. I've had the Messiah's uh, point of view. I've had Larry Rivera's point of view. I've had Chris Kloss's point of view from what happened that day and also a plethora of guys uh, from ECW, New Jack, etc. I wanted to get your perspective on what actually happened on this day because uh, from a lot of different people's sides of the story, uh, you were whooping some ass, I suppose you could say, in the parking lot. Um, could you tell me a little bit about this day and what took place from uh, your side of the story? Well... You know, when uh, when the whole thing started, it, it got overheated between uh, Rob Black and and uh, Paul Heyman, you know, and they started getting into arguments about the name and 
and everything else, you know, us copying them and, and, you know, big deal. So we were, if we were doing hardcore deathmatch stuff, what makes that yours, you know, there's no copy infringement and we're not on your territory. We're on a different side, you know? And, uh, one of the, one of the things that Paul Heyman said was, we'll never go to the East coast. We're West coast. You know, I mean, we'll never go to the, to the West coast. We're only East coast, but, you know, whatever, blah, 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 blah. That was, that was what he used to say back in the day. And then XPW comes around. Now you're going to do a show, not only in America or in, not in America, but not only in California, but in our specific area that we work at, you know what yeah. I mean? So you're trying to do it specifically to you know show us up or whatever you know what i mean close to the time that we were doing our shows you know yeah. what i mean using venues that we may have used or wanted to use or whatever so rob black bought everybody tickets mostly uh you know the not everybody like the ring crew and all that stuff but uh uh, it was uh, Chris Kloss, it was Kid Chaos, Supreme, um, myself, I was at the end, uh, Christy Mist was at the other end with uh, between uh, Chaos and uh, Chris Kloss, I believe. I have a picture of it. Somebody took a picture from the, from the top state of the place down at us when the actual fight started. I actually have that picture somewhere in my uh, mess of stuff that's lingering around with me. But uh, yeah, um, so we're there in the front row, you know, minding our own business. We sat around and watched match after match. Some other guys came out and taunted us, you know, which uh, whatever, it doesn't bother me. Sticks and stones, right? <laughs> And then uh, the final match was Tommy Dreamer and just incredible. And it was a barbed wire hanging from the rooftop and you had to climb a, a ladder. Yeah, Miss, uh, what's her name? Um, I was gonna say Missy Hyatt, but. Um, uh... <laughs> Francine? Francine, well, yeah, Francine, thank you. Yep. So, uh, Francine and just barely in the beginning of the match started arguing, you know what I mean? And Christy missed and Francine started arguing and you could see uh, just incredible say something to uh, Tommy Dreamer and Tommy Dreamer looks over at us, you know what I mean? And then next thing you know, the girls start fighting and the locker room comes bursting open. All these guys come running out. They're like ready. They're at the door ready, right? There's a shitload of these big ass guys running out at us, right? And Supreme, when when the security started grabbing at Christy, Supreme was like, "Don't be touching a woman like that." You know what I mean? Respect. So he pushed. Uh, and I saw this. He, that was the first when he grabbed Christy. Supreme pushed. Next thing you know, the shit started hitting the fan. The wrestlers are running out and uh, hands are being swung. 
Now, everybody had XPW shirts, right? I had my homeless Jimmy shirt, so I didn't have to turn my shirt around because they didn't even really notice it being a XPW. They just didn't want XPW shirts being worn. So right. all the guys had to either take, you know, whatever, have their shirts up out. And when the shit started happening, they turned, they, they flipped their shirts over and started doing the signs and stuff like that. So security starts pulling us out. Um, being military, I, I backed up from everybody. When the security guard grabbed me, I was like, hey, I don't have anything to do with this. I'm not doing nothing. You didn't see me do shit, right? I had my hands up. So he just let me go because I didn't have the XPW shirt on. I didn't have, I had a gray homeless Jimmy shirt. It wasn't even a good looking homeless Jimmy shirt. It was a shitty one. <laughs> but uh, um, next thing you know, I see Paul Heyman grabbing uh, um, one of our guys back and like was hitting him over in the corner. So I started to go that way and then they started to, the security started grabbing them again and Paul Heyman was going at, back after them and I grabbed onto Paul Heyman's arm <laughs> and he was like, he was like, who the fuck? And I was like, uh, he was like, let me go. And then as soon as I kind of let him go, I turned around and their big security guard, the one with the mustache, you know, the, the, <laughs> yeah. kind of like the cowboy hair, big, big guy. But socks me like I see I see this fist coming right at me like that. Oh, Boom. I sat down on the chair because he's a big guy and he got me good and unexpected. So but I stood right back up. I said, Don't do that again. And he was like, Don't touch Mr. Heyman. I was like, All right, I won't touch him. So I start running up the stairs and they started closing the doors. And I jumped through and slithered through a crowd of people. And I got outside, and just as I stepped outside, I turned around, and Paul Heyman was standing there, and he had some people in front of him, like a barricade of people, and then he was standing there, and then uh, Chili Willie was behind him. And when I turned around, he was like, you'll never be in this business ever again, blah, 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 blah. Come here, I'll hit you. And I was like, go ahead, hit me. I said, we're in L.A. If you hit me, there's going to be cameras everywhere. And he was like... <laughs> doing this at me i was like go ahead hit me and then chili willy hit me and that was like the first punch i got so just as i started to go at him my buddy tone which is this comic book artist and he's a big guy when i met him i thought he was a samoan but he's a big he was a big mexican guy one of my best friends he's an, and he's a, one of the kindest people too he's a comic book artist and he picks me up and puts me up against the wall right and he's holding me there and he's like jimmy don't do anything don't do anything stupid i said tone i won't let me go he said don't do anything stupid and when i'm looking across the street i see a crowd of people and they're getting walloped by these big guys you know they're fucking some of these guys were fucking huge big sal graziano is a big guy right and uh they're 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 beating on guys and stuff and then I looked over from, from the right over to the left, and I see my cousin, that my teacher, my mentor, my best friend, on the floor, big Sal Graziano stomping on his head. Jack Victory's put, uh, kicking him from one side. 
and Balls Mahoney stomping him from the other side. So three guys are beating down on him, right? And these guys are big. I'm telling you, these are big guys. I, I said, Tone, let me go. And Tone lets me go. And I go running across the street. But when I see it, I saw Chili Willie beating some kid like this, right? And he's a big black guy, a big African-American guy. I'm running across the street, jumped up like Superman. Boom, right in the side of his head. <laughs> I think I knocked him out for a, a, a few minutes at least, right? Turned around, run over there, saw uh, my cousin, grabbed my cousin off the floor, picked him up like a sack of potatoes, threw him over my shoulder. He went flying. That's when, and I had long hair at the time, right? Um, excuse me here. That's right. Yeah, talking. <laughs> All right. So Big Sal grabs me and his hands were like two of mine. So his hand is grabbing <laughs> me, right? I got one hand pulling all this right here. My arm goes this way. The next arm goes that way. And I got uh, all three of them punching me from from three sides. So sure. I got Big Sal hold, hold my head down, punching me. I got uh, Balls Mahoney punching me here. And I got Jack Victory punching me here. So I, I grabbed my right arm, which is my strongest arm, pulled that out, grabbed Balls Mahoney by the beard, yanked him into an arm lock, right? So I had his head here and I started wailing on him there as i'm getting punched but see when when you got more than one person hitting you it's better because especially the big guys are hitting each other they're they're just <laughs> they can hit you you know what i'm saying yeah. if you know how to tuck down and stuff so i'm walloping on him next thing you know everybody moves back and this li little african-american uh black uh security guard with mace jumps in everybody and you're like get back get back get back and so everybody kind of dispersed and i was up against the fence and he's got his little mace in my face and he goes get back and i go you're telling me to get back i said there's five oh yeah i forgot when i was down there just before i pulled my arm out i felt somebody trying to yank my eye out and it was chilly willy behind me Fuck. so he was trying to gouge my eye out when i was doing that because i had a i actually used to have a picture of the polaroid that they gave me from the precinct when i had to do a, a testify whatever it was you know i had to sit there and give my shit and uh yeah so yeah i was getting clawed here and punched there and stuff but they couldn't knock me down that was that was the fun part of that and i got you know i got my licks in when i finally pulled uh balls mahoney in <laughs> and uh the funny thing about balls mahoney is uh Years later, it was not that many years later, I, I would say around 2002, I met Balls Mahoney at a wrestling show in uh, Dover, Delaware. And I was uh, with, uh, with a good friend of mine, uh, the Hellaware Assassin. He, uh, he actually had like a company that he worked at and whatever worked for owned. I don't remember the whole spiel, but when I was living in the East Coast, I went and worked out there a lot. And I went to this show and Balls Mahoney was there. And 
my friends were like, hey, uh, do us a big favor. Don't start any shit. Please don't don't get into any uh, confrontation. I said, don't worry about it. You know, I'm cool, you know, whatever. And uh, walked into the bar and I saw him sitting there pretty much by himself. And I was like, hey, how you doing? You're like, good. He looks at me and I go, you know who I am? And he goes, yeah, I heard. I said, uh, do we have, we have any problems? And he said, no, got no problems. I said, cool. And that was it. That was our, we squashed the deal kind of deal. <laughs> it was, it was all right. You know, that's the thing is, you know, if you're, uh, working for a company and you have to do your, what you have to do, you know what I mean? But now you're not working for that company and it is what it is, you know? Wow. What a story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> excellent right thank funny you thing is, when, when we got se- separated then right then uh a- after the security guard got the spray in my face and stuff he's gonna mace me and i'm telling him get the hell out of my way i said let me you know let me go and then i was like come on big guys you couldn't you couldn't put little me me down you know come on <laughs> i was egging him on and then a limousine comes screeching right there the door opens chris Kloss, uh Kevin Klein were in a in a limousine. They were like, Jimmy, jump in or we're leaving you here right now. And I was like, I supermaned into the limousine <laughs> and took off. And it, that was like, that was something from a movies, you know, that you'd say, what the hell just happened? And none of that was orchestrated. That was all a shoot, you know, fight, build up, you know, all that stuff. Something that you, you know, you couldn't, you couldn't do, you couldn't replicate it again because it was all true stuff. But yeah, there it is. Big story of the, of the century. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, that, that your perspective is fantastic. Have, it does. Have, I wish I would have brought it, you know, if we were talking about that, I should have known that we would talk about it, but um, <laughs> I have a, a newspaper. I'll send you a picture of it if you want on this thing on our uh, messenger. Sure. But, uh, it's a uh, newspaper, local, well, it was, uh, what was it, uh, um, L.A. Weekly. Yep. It was a, a no, local newspaper for L.A. And uh, full frontal, my picture, blood all over my face, long hair, you know, my Jimmy outfit and stuff. And it said, homeless Jimmy and others, you know, da-da-da-da. It was like a big thing, kind of uh deal and uh, a lot of those uh, magazines like publish that story too you know wow magazine and all the deathmatch magazines so yeah. there was a there was a time you know I, I you know i discuss it with my girlfriend sometimes she was like well you know you weren't really there i'm like yeah i was <laughs> i was <laughs> we were running there with 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 uh ecw at one time with ratings yeah, our rating there with ECW. So there was only two others above us. There was WCW, WCW, and WWE. So we we're like fighting for the third spot in the world. Yeah, you know what I mean. Absolutely, and uh, it's it, it's a shame. It's a shame that it got cut down by stupidity. You know what I mean? It, it is a, a massive shame because the, the potential was there, especially with the show uh, Go Funk Yourself, uh, which yeah. was six days after a heat wave. Uh, this was like a massive high point for XPW. <clears throat> the show itself was fantastic. Um, although you nearly got hurt pretty bad. Um, I believe you were taking a, 
a German suplex off the top rope to go through a table or something like that. And oh. yeah, you nearly missed the table or you did miss the table. Um, and then after well, this show, the back, there was a the back of my head actually hit the table, right? The back Very... of my head hit the table. And when I flipped, uh, when I went into the full flip, yeah. uh, my shins hit the table too. Right. Fuck. So I hit, hit, you know, there was a double win there. But yeah. Yeah. Good times. <laughs> Good times. <clears throat> um, uh, this was a high point for the company. And then there was a massive gap. Uh, I, I guess the, uh, the LA sports arena was no longer available. Uh, there was venue issues. That's why uh, a lot of XPW television during that time had no actual in-ring action. Um, but you filled that gap with a tour for uh, FMW. Uh, right. And you, you spent a bit of time there with Supreme. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> excuse me, beginning October 7, 2000. Uh, and you worked there until October 29th at Crooken Hall. Uh, for FMW Power Splash 2000, um, where with a, a, a big matchup with um, uh, yourself and Supreme, there. Uh, could you tell me about your experience uh, in FMW? It must have been a dream come true to be able to uh, work in Japan. Well, you know, going back again to childhood, I uh, grew up watching a lot of Bruce Lee movies. Mm. And I envisioned one day being able to go to the Orient. Mostly it was, I thought, Japan, but come to find out, Bruce Lee was actually Chinese, and a lot of that was probably in China. <laughs> but uh, I was ignorant at, you know, young age, whatever. But uh, then, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's cool. I was supposed to go and work for Onita first. Um, he ended up calling me up and uh, wanting to, uh, you know, negotiate stuff. And but uh, unfortunately, he called and Rob answered and Rob said that, uh, well, you know, uh, Jimmy has to lose because he's supposed to be on a losing streak. So he can't win any matches. And Onita's like, what? He said, that doesn't sound right. You know, that's not cool. And then he was like, uh, you know, he says, you're not going to, you know, can't tell me what to do in my own company. He said, well, then you can't use Jimmy because I was yeah. under contract with XPW. And so when FMW found out that he negotiated and didn't get the deal, FMW called up and Klein, Kevin Kleinrock answered that call. And basically he was saying, well, it's got to be the same deal, you know, whatever. But here's an offer. Why don't you take Supreme with you, you know, as a package deal and make, uh, you know, have you could make them as a tag team and Supreme could lose. Supreme could win the match. Homeless Jimmy could lose. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So they're like, OK, that sounds good. And so they flew us out and uh, we had a both of us uh, started with uh, singles matches um i lost mine <laughs> and supreme <laughs> supreme won his match then they ta tagged us up and we had a singles tag match but it was for the uh number one contender match it was kind of like a number one contender thing that that we did and uh the next show after that we went for the titles and they gave and and we won the titles so 
you know uh <laughs> that was kind of my like my slang and then and then and rob you know yeah i have to lose all the time but uh look what now, now what i i got a belt big deal you know what i mean <laughs> so what if supreme supreme did the the uh the roll up but if you look at a picture i got a picture of us coming back with the belts the first night and i was all bloody and supreme's just wrapping his his arm whatever <laughs> you know he's got a hard head so it's harder to get him to bleed <laughs> um, that must have been a real fun experience to uh, experience that with him um oh yeah yeah, it was. And you had to earn that shit over there. They they actually put yeah. a hurt. Like I said, I got pictures I could share of of where I'm walking back. I got uh, the next day I had the title belt on my shoulder and I have the two black eyes. You know, <laughs> they 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 uh, they put a hurting on me for that. You know, but hey, if I had to earn it, I earned it, right? That's it, bro. And uh, and speaking of earning it, uh, you, you certainly. You know, just to let you know, that was a, it's a little. You could look it up. I guess we were the first Americans to hold the hardcore tag team championship belts. Right. For we were the first Americans to ever have that belt. So well, that's that was pretty. Another, that's pretty sweet accolade. Little, me and me and Supreme, you know, God rest his soul. He, uh, you know. We we had that that was a that was definitely got us up there in that marquee area, you know. Definitely, he's uh, certainly somebody that um, uh, is is an infamous uh, kind of figure in XPW's history. The king of the death matches, many people may know him as. And I wanted to kind of segue into talking about uh, these kind of death match tournaments and just ask you a little bit about that um, and what kind of preparation you have to go through mentally to prepare for the day of a deathmatch tournament, uh, whether it's the king of the deathmatch, whether it's uh, like a Crimson Cup or, or something like that. Um, is there a different atmosphere in the air for you when it's a day of something uh, of, of this uh, magnitude? Uh, how do you mentally prepare for something like that? Well, I mean, I think, it, again, it was... It, it might be a little different for, for me than most people, but uh, I believe having to uh, learn martial arts first and getting into to the mindset of, of stuff like that, because with my friends, we used to, we used to sit there and, and, and I would take my nunchucks and I would wallop the sides of my, my uh, glute or what are they called? Not glutes, my lats. Yeah. You know, the, the sides of the V part. Yeah. Right. I mean, I could take a shot right there from like whatever, you know what I'm saying? I would sit there and whack those on my on my uh, my uh, <laughs> my lats, you know, for endurance buildup. You know what I'm saying? So we yeah. do a lot of stuff, punching boards and and doing like that. So I, I I was built up different. I think, you know, I didn't have the size that most people do. Could you imagine if I was bigger? I'd be a fucking just a total beast, but you know, with with the rest of the beasts, I'm a I'm a little I'm a little guy, but I could I could tell you, I could definitely you know go with the best of them, <laughs> and so going into deathmatch stuff was kind of like you know easy peasy for me. I was already learning how to take chair shots and stuff when I first started my first lessons, you know, in slammers, 
unfortunately, they didn't really have uh, classes for beginners because I was the only one there. You know what I mean? So I had to be in the class with the other kids that are, or the other guys that were already well taught. So they were doing chair shots, you know, and I was like, all right, my first day chair shots, you know, <laughs> then I learned how to take bumps and stuff like that. But um, yeah, uh, you know, the only, the only thing that I always kind of worried about at first was thumbtacks and uh, yeah, they're not that they're not as bad I, I wouldn't do a barefoot thumbtack match because that stuff's dangerous you know when you're messing with the bottom of, of your feet yeah that leads to a lot of health issues and stuff like that you hit the wrong nerve the wrong thing the wrong way with the with the not so sanitized you know pin yeah your your feet are are your feet and your head are two of the the most valuable parts of our bodies you know what I mean? Apart from the heart, of course, and the brain is our dome, our center point, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, that, that was the only thing that uh, ever bothered me. I, I pretty much didn't care what it was. You throw me in it. You know what I mean? I did yeah. glass, glass, 10 inch, 20 inch nails <laughs> or 10 inch nails. Uh yeah, never did any cactus like that, you know. Yeah. That's probably another, eh, I might think twice about doing a cactus. <laughs> but I've seen some crazy-ass stuff out there, man. Me too, uh, especially in the I last few some, years. I did some crazy stuff too, but, you know, <laughs> throughout the years <laughs> of, of Deathmatch, I've seen some, some gnarly stuff. <laughs> I've seen things like guys getting slammed into a tank full of piranhas <laughs> yeah you know i i like to leave the animals out of it later it's senseless it, it really isn't i mean first of all piranhas don't bite you when they're in captivity anyways that's already a myth that you could have a fish tank full of piranha and they won't they won't take a nibble at you you know unless they're really really hungry and you're bleeding maybe <laughs> you know I mean? uh, yeah I've, I've seen enough of that on on animal shows and stuff um to know they don't do that you know so it's just you're just messing around with nature for no reason just because Definitely. you can't but a lot of that a lot of the animal stuff started in the orient you know in a, uh, japan mostly you know doing fish tank stuff and whatever we they don't care you know because that's mostly what they eat anyways all the time so what's wasting an animal <laughs> i'm kind of funny like that i'll eat them but i won't you know i don't know about torturing them you know absolutely absolutely bro um uh i wanted to kind of talk about what led to uh your exit from xpw i believe uh august 25th 2002 if i'm correct uh was your last uh probably know that better than i do <laughs> <laughs> uh you, you were you worked in eight-man battle royal on that show but uh, what what led to you uh deciding to leave xpw mm. well it was a it was a long time coming because uh when i first heard about you know uh rob black's bullshit and and I'm gonna say it lightly because I don't know I, I it's it's a it's a touchy subject but first person and I should have listened to him from the very beginning was 
Cronus. He came up to me and he said, listen, I want to tell you something, just take it for what it is, but be careful. You need to be careful in this company. He said, because Rob Black just asked me to take your knee out in the match. And he was like, you know, and Cronus was like, what do you mean? And he said, I want you to make sure he's not in the next couple of shows. And he was like, why? He says, Jimmy's a fucking awesome guy and he's a good worker. He says, I don't like him. I don't want him in, I, you know, and if he's out, he's, he, he's voiding his contract. And I'm like, well, and, and then Cronus telling me this, you know, I was like, wow, you know, whatever. And, you know, I, like I said, I should have probably walked away then. And then uh, shortly after that, uh, we had a show um, just before, I think it was a Wednesday before that last match. So what, what was that date? Uh, that date was, sorry, the, um, the 25th of August uh, at Damage Inc. and Eight Man Battle Royal, which New Jack won. Okay. So the Wednesday before that show, we had a small little show in front of, I think it was either 10 or 12 uh, Japanese fans that paid for a, a, a exclusive uh, show. Wow. And it was only like maybe a handful of matches. It wasn't, you know, very much. I'm sure Rob made a, a, a bank on it. You know what I mean? Because they, they paid special from Japan. They flew in from Japan to watch an XPW show exclusively. You know, so you know, it was none video or anything, and uh, I had a match against Pogo the Clown, and uh, it was in in the warehouse where we had shipping stuff and in the ring because we trained in the ring, but it was also uh, their porn company. You know what I mean? And so there was a conveyor belt out there, and at one point when out we when we were outside. Pogo the Clown took me, which we talked about it, you know, I mean, I wasn't afraid of doing it, but he just laid into me, like he knocked me out. I was out, unconscious. We're, we're talking about a six foot, two, three, whatever he is, he's, he's a big guy. And, and he used to tell me, yeah, I'm 419 pounds. We're talking about a, a big fucking clown, yeah. right? <laughs> And he just laid me into that conveyor belt and it knocked me out. And he lumped me onto the conveyor belt. And at the end of the conveyor belt was the fans and their chairs. So he was like, get out of the way. And he rolled me down the conveyor belt and I was still unconscious. And then when I came to, when I woke up, cause my face was bouncing on the conveyor belt, right? Uh, I saw a face full of chairs. So I met face first in all these chairs and whatever. And I had a, a nice big lump on the top of my head from that, like a huge lump. But on with the show, I fin we finished the match and everything. That, that night, I get a phone call from Pogo telling me, man, I'm so sorry for hurting you in the match. You know, I'm sorry. Uh, Rob Black made me do it. He said, if I don't, I'm not in the show anymore, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. I was like, really? All right, that sucks. And then we had that last show. I was obligated for it under contract, you know what I mean? 
as far as I'm still concerned. I'm still under contract with them. And then uh, uh, New Jack, New Jack and I were close buddies because he was a stoner. You know, uh, I'm not going to get into the, anything else because that's what I do. I smoke weed and I would smoke weed with weed with him the minute he got there. Me and him started smoking weed. So, I mean, he's New Jack. If you're on his good side, you got the one of the most awesome people to hang around with. He's, again, one of the life of the party kind of guys. And uh, but once you're in the ring, you know, it's it's game on. He'll stab you, he'll cut you, he'll, he'll brutalize you. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you don't deserve it like a worker should, you know what I mean? If you if you're going to sit there and act like that didn't hurt, then they're going to make it hurt. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Definitely. Yeah. That's what's wrong with some of the business now is, oh, everybody wants to sit there and break shit over their head and, you know, jump into Bob wire and then hooray, look at me. You're taking away from the business. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I was a good worker. You didn't have to hit me hard to, to make, make you look 100%. You know what I mean? Because I knew my job. My, my job was to make, it, make you look like 100 bucks or 1,000 bucks. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so uh, we're there in the, in the room, and he goes, Jimmy, he says, you know, you know what I do, right? And I was like, yeah and he said no you know right and i was like uh yeah <laughs> he, goes, <clears throat> he goes uh he says rob rob uh rob gave me some money he says to take you out tonight because it's your last show and i was like oh yeah and he said yeah he said he said and i'm gonna do it and I said, okay. And he was like, but he said, I want you to do me this one favor. He said, I'm going to tell you when it's coming. He said, they got a PlayStation console in there. It's hard as rock. And I'm supposed to hit that sweet spot that you just were crying about with the lump. Right. And he says, I'm going to, I'm going to hit you upside that. You know what I mean? And knock you out. He says, but I'm going to let you know when it's coming and I want you to act like I just knocked you the fuck out. And I said, thank you. I said, thank you for that. He said, hey, no hard feelings. He said, uh, you know, you make it look good. You know how it is. And I was like, I 100% know how it is. And that was the last show. That was my last time. I won't work for somebody that's, that's going to pay people to sit there and hurt you. And the whole Messiah story, I 100% believe that it was Rob Black, 100%. It wasn't him doing it because he's a pussy, just like, uh, what do you call it? It'd be like a Jim Jones. He won't tell you, he won't force you to fucking eat the, 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 the pills, but he'll give you the, the drink to do it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, or Manson, Charles, Charles Manson, he'll send all his, his followers in there to beat your ass or kill you, but he won't do it. That's, that's Rob Black. Wow. I had no that's, idea about any of that, bro. And uh, I just don't understand what his problem was with you. I don't know. You didn't know, you didn't know about the uh, Messiah. I, I know, I know about that, but I didn't know about him 
Yeah, nobody knows about it. Nobody really about knows you. It I didn't. I didn't make a big deal about it. I didn't go right. out there and. Make it. I should write a book. I should write a book. You know, that's one of the reasons why I don't try and do uh, and 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 uh, don't take this the wrong way because I decided because uh, Ryan Katz is a really dear friend of mine and he asked me so if he gives the okay, you're okay with me. You know what I'm saying? But I, I tell people after and I've told. Uh, Chris Toss, I'm not going to do anything because he's associated with with Rob now. You know they're doing shows again this weekend. I think they have a show. Yeah. So you know, and he called me up trying to to ask me if I wanted to come back, and I said you're stupid, you're crazy. I said the only match that I want is one against you, me versus you. We'll do your Golden Gloves because he used to tell people that he was a Golden Gloves boxer. I said get in the ring anytime you want. Me and you, mano y mano. Don't even need referees. I'll knock your ass out. Understood, he bro. Want to take I told him that. I said that on the phone. I was sitting here and my girlfriend was getting upset because I had the window rolled down and the neighbors could hear me. And I was I was telling them what it was. I'm sorry. It was like, oh, I thought we got over that. I thought we were over all that. You might be over it. And I might have forgiven you enough to not wring your neck or kill you. I forgave you enough, but I won't forget that shit. And I'm not going to sit there and work with somebody that would pay other people to hurt them. Yeah, I understand, Stupid. bro. I would be an idiot. I would be an idiot to work for. Them. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's guys that I want. I would want to go back and, you know, I retired in 2020 because I had some you know, thing in my head, you know, basically I wasn't going to go anywhere. I wasn't going to get to to the WWE status and nor did I really want to, because I'm really not at the caliber of those type of people. You know what I mean? That's a different, that's a different uh, place. I would, I would be lost in the crowd. You know what I mean? There'd be no school for me in in WWE, even with the shortest guys that they had, like Rey Mysterio or or, uh, Daniel Bryanson you know, or Daniel Bryan. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I, I could work those kind of guys and probably put some things in my heels, but I wouldn't be able to go anywhere else, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I just would have been another mockery like Zach Gowan, you know. The, you remember Zach Gowan? Yeah. The, the one-legged kid that they yeah. threw down the stairs, Brock yeah. Lesnar beat him up. That kid is talented. They didn't, they wouldn't let him do anything. He could use, I watched him in uh, Detroit. And he would do backflips off of the top rope with his one leg. He would hop on the ropes and then do a backflip to the outside. This kid was, was amazing. And to treat him like they did, why would I want to go there? I would, I would be treated the same way. Absolutely, Brad. <laughs> I, I, heard, I, heard, I heard rumors of, of other shenanigans going behind backstage. I don't need any of that, you know. I was happy doing deathmatch and hardcore stuff. Because, you know, it just, it shows you as a different type of person, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bro. Uh, one thing I thought was interesting was that you're actually on the inaugural CZW Tournament of Death uh, against Sick Nick Mondo. Uh, but I believe this is the only time you worked for John Zandig. Uh, yeah, why- we, we we talked about doing other shows. Go ahead. Yeah. Were you going to ask another question? Oh, no, I was just going to ask why you didn't uh, work more for CZW. Um, just because I, I moved locations, because when I when I did their show, 
I was just about ready to come back to uh, towards California or uh, ended up moving to Las Vegas. But I was leaving Ohio because it's it's way too cold. I'm not a cold person. I like the heat, even though I'm sitting here with my truck with my uh, air on. <laughs> but uh, I like the heat. I would prefer the heat than, than the cold. And when it snows, that's too much. I don't like that stuff. So uh, I Fair ended enough. up leaving the area. And, you know, I mean, it was just, I, I guess I wasn't at the, if I wasn't going to be there all the time, they weren't going to be able to use me kind of deal. Understood. Understood. Uh, did you like working with Nick Mondo? Oh, yeah. I loved working with him. <clears throat> and <laughs> According to his video, he loved working with me because, you know, we're both, uh, I'm, I'm really easy going, you know what I mean? When we got there, they asked me a question and that was a simple, easy, yeah, of course, you know, <laughs> you know, doing, doing the stuff that I did, you know, you can't, you don't hesitate. You just do it. Yeah. Very cool, Brian. Um, Getting like to the, the talent, end, like the end of that match, right? Yeah, you, you re, the match that you were talking about. Yep. So the 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 big bump at the end when we were on top of that truck and we went, <laughs> yep. we went slipped through. I mean, there was no preparation. There's no nothing. There was just a simple, "Hey, do you want to do this before you know at the end of the match?" And I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> why not? Let's go." Let's do it. <laughs> Only this one life to live. You know what I mean? That's how, that's how I've always been my whole life. You know, I'm not afraid of pretty much anything. I've, I've stuck my hand in and petted a, a, a lion in the Jerusalem zoo in Israel when I was, when I was 17, wow. I was 16. First time I did it, I was 16. The second time I did it, I was 17. <laughs> got, um, I got a picture. I got a picture of me doing that. That's really cool. I'd like to see that. <laughs> um, I noticed uh, this is just in my research, and I've only got a few questions left here, bro. So I really appreciate your time. Um, yeah, we're, we're doing good. I was like I said, I wasn't sure about my phone being in the heat, and then uh, you know my last one it went so quick. I had to tell him I would do two segments because of it. <laughs> but this one holding pretty good charge. But, okay, yeah. cool. Go ahead. Um, yeah, it was um, after October 2005 and until November 2013, in my research, I, I might be wrong because the internet isn't very reliable sometimes, but in my research, you only wrestled twice in eight years, uh, at XPW Cold Day in Hell, and then also the 10th anniversary show, uh, XPWX, I guess it was was what it was called. Um well, well, here's the here's the thing. Here's the thing to that is that I actually moved after 2002. When I moved out to Ohio, it wasn't shortly after that I met Mr. Insanity, uh, Toby Klein. He's a he just got inducted to uh, I think it was GCW or yeah one of the companies CZW. Somebody just inducted him as you know hardcore you know famous. I think uh, Deathmatch Hall of Fame. Yeah, Deathmatch Hall of Fame. So you know that? Yep. So um, when I met Toby, he convinced me to get back in, into it. You know what I mean? Because I was after after working for somebody like that, like Rob, 
it put a damper on me and I was about to quit and not ever wrestle ever again. And, uh, um, Toby, Mr. Insanity, basically, you know, we met, you know, just by, you know, it was kind of a fluke thing. We just both worked at the same place. He met somebody, you know, whatever it was, it was just kind of a, a weird coinkadink and it got me back into wrestling. And I worked for companies like the Bumpin' Uglies, uh, um, I can't remember right now, XICW or something like that. It's, uh, yeah. you know, one of the good, there's like two or three uh, companies I worked for in Detroit. And then I did uh, Combat Zone Wrestling. I did uh, another company in Delaware. I did the thing with uh, the uh, Hellaware Assassin and uh, against uh, Madman Pondo and, and um, Brain Damage. Yep. You know? uh, so, the, I mean, there was, I, I didn't like go to, you know, I didn't hide under a rock all that time. I was actually still active, but just not on the man, on the, on the stage where everybody knows where I'm at. You know what I mean? Yeah. Did, I was, I did uh JCW too. I did the first, uh, I did the first gathering. I did the uh, 2005 gathering, uh, 2000, I want to say well, the last one I did for them was 2019. So I did three for them. And then I did uh, one of the um, juggalo uh, weekend yeah. things that they had. I lost the tip of my finger on that one. Just the, <laughs> it was actually a lot more, but you know, your stuff grows back a little bit, but I had chopped part of my finger right in the beginning of the match. Chewy Shit. Martinez, Chewy, Chewy Martinez hit me with the uh, trash can, and I was down on the stage, and it was actually on a uh, like a uh, uh, stage stage, you know, where they do plays and stuff. So it's yeah. hardwood, you know, hardwood floor and stuff. And then they had a ramp to the ring. Well, I went running back onto the stage at Chewy. He hits me with the uh, trash can. I went down on the floor in the trash can, came down just perfectly and chopped off the tip <laughs> of my finger right in the beginning of the match. So that was like the very, very first part of the, the, the match. Yeah. Continued wow. walking around as blood is just gushing out of my finger, you know? <laughs> Man, the shit that all of you pro wrestlers put yourselves through and, and go through. Uh, it's right. just remarkable. Even when it's not intended, you get your finger or top of your finger chopped off. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you a little bit about... You, keep um, going. you know, I kept going because in the back of my mind, I'm hearing, you know, stories of Mick Foley when he lost his ear. He kept <laughs> on going. He, he wrestled. That was an ear. Imagine losing the whole ear and you go... <laughs> So me with the little finger, I'm like, no, nah, I'll keep going. Keep yeah, going. you always have to compare it to that. I busted my knee during the show. One of the, the uh, it was October 99 for XPW. When I got tossed off of the X, the the whole, the end of the story with the girlfriend thing. Yeah. It was me versus uh, um, Phenomenal Phil. And he put me up on the top rope and he drop kicked me. Well, when I, I used to always do this in the, on the monkey bars and stuff, I would, you know, uh, wrap my legs and then go backwards and kind of do sit-ups kind of thing. Yeah. So 
when he did a drop kick, I was going to do one of those things, you know, and then jump, get up on the top rope and then do a drop kick or missile drop kick on him from the top rope. Right. So we'd already talked about doing this and stuff. So we went to do it. He turns around. Well, when I went up, uh, when he kicked me, my uh, left leg slipped out of the ropes and I flipped that outside the ring that way and it hyperextended my knee and my knee swelled up. But I managed to get back up and climb to the top and do the drop kick and continue that match and then end up going outside, climbing up on that top of that X and then getting thrown through the tables <laughs> uh, with, with a bum knee. And then when I took the, my gear off, you know, my knee pads and stuff, my knee swelled up like twice the size and they did x-rays and, and uh, MRIs and stuff and said that I had a, uh, um, a minor tear in my ACL and a fracture in my MCL, which is the meniscus disc, the, the eight-figure disc that's in between your knees that the, yep. that, the, that the ligament goes. So they said that what happened was when my ligament tore, it also snapped uh, the bone Fuck. in my knee. And that was in that was in October of '99, mind you. That was uh, only a year or so before I went out to Japan and got the the belts and everything else. Never had <laughs> surgery. Never did anything except for medicinal uh, healing. Yeah, mind mind body and soul kind of thing. Doing a lot of touch therapy with my hands and showers, hot shower meditations. You know. Yep. Car carried me on and I did a lot of stuff. Like I said, you know, I didn't, I wasn't active all the years that I was go out, but you know, I, I did, I did a fair amount of, of stuff out there. kept myself active in it, you know, and then I came back to California in uh, 2015 and uh, started doing shows with uh, UEW. You know, I don't know if you heard of their stuff. I've not known. Well, uh, when we get done, I'll send you a link to, uh, or no, if you just go on, uh, um, what do you call it? On uh, YouTube. YouTube. There's stuff for U, uh, UEW and stuff like that that I was that I was in, but I oh. debuted with them in 2000. I think it was 15. Yep. And uh, you know I. I kept going, <laughs> kept going. Um, you said you retired in 2020. Um, yeah. Is, would there be anything that would potentially make you want to scratch that potential itch uh, and go out there and perform again? Uh, would there be any scenario that would see Homeless Jimmy uh, in a wrestling ring again? Yeah, just only one scenario, a m money contract. Right. <laughs> I, I could probably still go at it just the, as good as I did before. You know what I mean? I'm actually in better shape now because I've lost some weight yep. I'm back down to, to where I was when I first started uh, homeless Jimmy kind of, you know what I mean? And uh, I'm sure the skills still there. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, I still work out a bit and everything else. So I, I could, I could hold my own and, and go and work for like somebody like AEW if they wanted you know what i mean a short run with them if they wanted it just for the hell of it whatever 
because uh, I don't know where the Briscoes, you know where the Briscoes wrestle at? Uh, I think they're at Impact Wrestling at the moment. Okay. Yeah. I, I could easily go there because uh, one of the Briscoes actually uh, interfered in one of the matches that I had against Pondo and uh, what do you call it? With uh, the Hello Air Assassin, we had a match and he was out there and <laughs> he was actually not supposed to be part of the match. He was just out there because he was already drunk from his, you know being out there and whatever. <laughs> and he showed up. He showed up. One of it, I can't remember which which one of the brothers, but one of them was out there and. So and he, he ended up hitting me over the head, I think, with the chair. And then I came swinging. I was going to really fucking, like, go at him kind of deal because he wasn't even supposed to be part of our match. And he's hitting my partner and, you know, hitting me. And I was like, nah, that's ain't going to happen, you know. <laughs> out, out with you, kid. And, uh, but, yeah, I, I could, you know, bring that, rehash that and go up against them, you know, for a uh, – a chance at the title or something you know what i mean a short <laughs> one kind of that would be a, that would be a scenario but nobody's knocking on my door brother nobody's <laughs> knocking on my door <laughs> nothing you know I, I may have done a lot of cool things and you know a very likable character but uh you know i i've i've always been a humbled person and i don't really think of myself that that great that's why I didn't amount to much in, in the business because I really didn't, I wanted to do it, but I didn't really have that much confident enough to, to get me somewhere else. You know what I mean? I actually had uh, Bruce Hart from uh, the Hart Foundation in, in Canada. Uh, he came up to me one night at, at one of the XPW shows and said, hey, you want to come out to Calgary and work with us? And I said, well, isn't it get cold up there? And he said, yeah, I get real, real cold. And I said, I'm sorry. And I'm serious. I was that. And because my mom was my mom, I love my mom, but she always played the guilty. Oh, my, the old, uh, I'm, I'm sick Jewish mom. kind of <laughs> deal. Every time I was going to do something, you know what I mean? And, and I thought, I'm like, man, I got my mom and I, and it's cold. Yeah. <laughs> no, thank you. I turned down the Heart Foundation. That was probably that was probably one of the the worst things I I'd done to my to my uh, self in this business is turned down the Heart Foundation. You know, yeah. <laughs> who the hell does that? All right, what a dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I understand, bro. Um, <clears throat> I wanted to know also: uh, Do you have you had the chance to watch that uh, episode of Dark Side of the Ring about? Uh, XPW and Rob Black, and I just want to know your thoughts on it. Uh, what do you mean specifically? Like thoughts on what? Because honestly, I I didn't watch a lot of it, um, and I don't remember a lot of it because you know, <laughs> I mean, I know the whole story, but you know what I'm saying. So I don't. What, what specifically about it? Because I lived, uh, I lived that. So now, I mean, that was my life. I lived with XPW for two and a half years, two years. You know what I'm saying? And uh, and it's still, still part of my existence. You know that comes up all the time. You know, you're not the first to ask these questions. So <laughs> yeah. when did I think about it? I mean, really, honestly, it was just another show doing a piece i'm glad i'm cool i think i'm happy that it all came out to light you know a lot of the bs that was going on i didn't know what was going on with uh um 
shoot, help me with his name. Uh, the one that was hanging up and got hit with the chair. Uh, uh, Luke. Luke. Luke from the ultra Luke Hawks. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Thank you. Uh, I don't know him personally. I've never got to meet him. I was already gone when they, they brought him in, I believe. I was just, maybe it might have been, you know, just hit and miss kind of thing, but um, didn't know much of him. So that whole story shocked me. I didn't hear about that. Right. And uh, personally, it, it, it made me feel, you know, a little ill. But, you know, I also brought up bad memories of my own. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, I don't know. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully everything's changed with this new XPW, but I don't see a leopard doesn't change his spots. You know, somebody's going to come across Rob that he doesn't like. And, uh, you know, he's just because he got away with everything else. Why not continue more? Right. Yeah, I understand. Gonna, he, he found Jesus, right? He's going <laughs> to. <laughs> I don't, I don't see, I don't see uh, being able to trust the guy. And I, some people ask me that and they, you know, I gave them my opinion and they're still working there. So it is what it is. <laughs> Can't say I didn't say it, say it, tell you so. Exactly, bro. I, I think one thing that's I really. Wish, I wish it was different because I, you know what? Yeah. I feel I would be able to go back to XPW had it not been Rob Black, if it was Kevin Kleinrock and he said, listen, we're making we're making big deals like we used to. It's going to be a, an ongoing thing. We want you back. You could do what you feel like, whatever, blah, 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 blah. Here's the layout, you know, and I would, I would do it because uh, Joe FX, Big Joe, Big F and Joe that's going to be on there, right? Yeah. Uh, I would love to work with him. Uh, Schlack, another one, love to work with him. Uh, uh, Dirty Ron McDonald, one of my favorite guys. You know, I'd love to, I'd love to work with him, but I can't now because, for one, I'm retired and I'm not going to go work for Rob Black, no matter what he offered me. Uh, <laughs> it didn't nothing <laughs> bring me back to his his domain. I worked with him in e, uh, UEW when when I first got there. He was there. And he was a shady person then, too, talking about how he was going to overrun uh, this kid that owned uh, UEW and take over UEW. And it's like, yeah, same fucking Rob Black as, as before, never changed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, um, I think one great thing about XPW was the camaraderie between a lot of you guys uh, and that was something that came out of that dark side of the ring episode especially with the chaos and, and what he had to say um, it, it felt like you guys really the wrestlers uh, you really wanted to make it work you, 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 you all oh, yeah. worked so hard and I think we that's like our, the, we, busted our ass. we busted our ass and it was yeah. that we had something it was something great going it would have been one of the top things in the, out there because we had stories that were coming along. You know what I mean? We had stories which which you don't get that with regular independent wrestling, especially an independent deathmatch wrestling company. And they're doing, you know, stories where the guys fight in, in the, me and Supreme fight in the in the yard. You know what I mean? And, and, and uh, 
uh, chaos and, and them at the pool, you know, I mean, there was so many different things that were happening. It wasn't just wrestling. It was a story, you know what I mean? And, uh, I mean, if, like I said, had it not been some of that stupidity going on with Rob, you know, in real life, messing around with people like that, it would have gotten, he would have been higher up. We would have been up there. I wouldn't have left. Messiah probably wouldn't have left and we would all been making a lot of money because we were getting there. We were on our way to be in the next, you know, big company that people are, are paying bukus of money to pay, to come and see us. I um, agree, bro. I agree. And uh, we, had, I we had thousands say. of people. We had thousands of people in the crowd. Yeah. You can't tell me that we were doing something wrong. We were doing something right. 100%. It should have, it should have been a different, you know, it would have been different if it had the mindset been different with the upper people, you know, meaning the owner, Rob yeah. Black. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you if, uh, for all the homeless Jimmy fans out there, XPW fans will be watching this interview just to let them all know what's going on in your world today. What, what, what is your life uh, like these days? Well, I do the, I, I don't do a regular nine to five. I actually uh, drive around and do Uber Eats. I don't know if you guys have that in Australia. We do, yeah. Okay, so we, uh, I drive for Uber Eats and uh, just saving up money right now so I could go tour around the United States. I already did that once, drove around to different, you know, states and, you know, stopped here and there and say that i've been there i i drove semi trucks for a little while for about a year i got, I got my cdl and i drove the big trucks tra transported stuff across the country into canada and all the way down to mexico and i i crisscrossed every state in america except for hawaii and alaska hawaii obviously unless i sit on the barge with the truck you know what I mean? If they tip the truck over and I went out, but I don't think they do that, you know, but in, in Alaska is way up there past, you know, whatever. So I didn't, I didn't do any Alaska driving. And plus Alaska's cold. Yeah. And it's so cold. <laughs> but yeah, so now, now I'm, uh, you know, I got a, a little girlfriend and we've been together for going on three years and, uh, um, we go, touring around you know tooting around the the united states here um she doesn't fly so it makes it harder to get some places but uh we've talked about doing uh cruises and there's one that takes us around so many uh countries you know what i mean and and you you stop and i think it's like a six months cruise and you dock at uh different places around the world and one of them will be australia so one day I'm hoping to set foot out there, you know, that would be another reason you asked me a question and, I'll, and I'll, I'll put it like this. If there was another company from said like Australia or England or somebody really wanted homeless Jimmy for one more time and they want to, you know, fly me in there and make sure we have, uh, because <clears throat> one of the things that I'm going to jump off subject and I'll be, get back to that in a minute. But one of the things that the up and coming wrestlers and promoters don't think about, and that's merchandising. 
you got to merchandise yourself well, like the shirts and the, and the things that you're wearing, stuff like that is a side money that you could help with your company and with yourself. If you're a professional wrestler, you should have pins, you know, whatever it is, books, DVDs, mag, you know, whatever you have available to sell, you need to do that because nobody's going to be putting that money in your pocket except for you in this business. You know what I mean? You get you get promoted, you get put on a show, and you get paid for that. But all the that ain't gonna pay no bills unless you're working for Vince McMahon. That's the the that's the top of the the food chain right there. That's the mecca of the the business as we speak because that's who, who makes the big money. Right now, that's the only people that make the big money. AEW, I don't know what they're paying. They probably pay good money for the bigger guys, for yeah. the, the named guys, but small guys like me i wouldn't be making enough to survive i mean the way i do yeah because i i i, I live pretty simple I, I actually toot around in a in an rv so live small and simple don't have to worry about you know a house and you know what i mean <laughs> get up and cool. leave go to the next donation destination you yeah know? that's cool but um, so I'm kind of basically still the the nomadic homeless Jimmy, you know. Yeah, very I, cool, bro. Yeah. So I mean, I live live the gimmick kind of, sort of. I don't own a home, so technically I am still homeless Jimmy. Uh, That's really cool, man. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't itch and twitch as much. <laughs> oh bro uh, i really have appreciated your time on this show so much we still have one final segment to go it's called five second frenzy it's 12 quick fire questions just your favorite this your favorite that um okay so the first one on five second frenzy is who is your favorite professional wrestler um well growing up macho man was one of my inspirations i i I just, for some reason, he was so flamboyant with his hats and the glasses and the streamers and the running out and the, oh, yes, and the, <laughs> you know, all, all that just, that was my idol growing up. And then, you know, uh, later on when I was in, uh, a little bit older and I started picking back up in, in Israel, uh, I saw Undertaker, you know, because, uh, you know, being... My mom was American too, so she knew about it, thankfully. And we we looked up play, you know, stuff that we could find, you know, like videos and stuff like that. So we'd uh, at our video store, we found a guy that knew how to market stuff back and forth. So he was getting them pretty regularly. So we were actually getting caught up on all the pay per views and stuff like that. So uh, Undertaker, of course, became one of my favorites because I'm somehow I'm a very light is a very good person, but I like the darkness too. You know what I mean? I like skulls and I like dreary stuff. I like scary things, the undertakers, the grave diggers, the skulls and all that stuff. But I'm a very, very uh, uplifting, spiritual kind of person in real life. So uh, I like, you know, so those those guys were were my two WWE favorites um <clears throat> then later on papa shango and i like sid vicious so uh as far as hardcore now 
Sabu was one of my favorites. Cactus Jack was another one. And of course, Terry Funk, you know, and getting to see Terry Funk in the movies too was awesome. So uh, I actually got to meet all three of my wrestling heroes. I worked with one, uh, Sabu. I tag teamed with, with him in a match. Uh, I got my hand raised by Terry Funk and then uh, uh, Cactus Jack, Mankind, Mick Foley. I met him at a convention center and sat down and took some pictures with him. So I got to meet all three of them, which one was, you know, I had to pay for. But <laughs> <laughs> That's really cool, it, right? <laughs> he, he, was, he was a legend. And, and a lot of people, you know, uh, there was one of the magazines that, that uh, um, I think it was Wow Magazine. And they quoted Terry Funk. And Terry Funk himself said, I, he reminds me of a younger, shorter version of Mick Foley. That's cool. So, and they posted that shit in the magazine. So, I mean, that was, you know, that was like, oh my gosh, that's, that's so honorable. <laughs> I, feel, I felt like, oh my God, you know, that's, they're, they're, they're comparing me to a legend. You know what I mean? Absolutely. <clears throat> so, um, the next one was uh, favorite opponent. Do you have somebody that you was the, your favorite person that you ever worked with? John Cronus. Excellent. Uh, is there one match from your time in professional wrestling that that's your favorite one? Oh, yeah. When he threw me off of the low section in the L.A. sports arena, <laughs> which means, you know, the when you when you walk into the stadium and they have the bleachers and then they have the first floor. Yep. And so they have those big bay doors that have like that you could drive a truck into. Yep. So up up above those were bleachers, more more seats, and me and Cronus went up there, punching each other, fighting, throwing each other in the chairs, and then finally he threw me off. He bill tossed me, and I went head first through two tables, and I was thirty five. <laughs> we measured it to thirty five feet in the air. Yeah, right. Crazy. <laughs> so that was that was um, uh, that was an exciting moment of mine. Like I said, uh, <clears throat> this is just the kind of person that I was. We walked in. I walked into the stadium first time in this uh, um, stadium, you know, and it's a big thing, you know what I mean? And I'm like, wow. And the ring was being set up in the middle. And then Rob Black walked up and he goes, "What do you think, Jimmy?" And I said, uh, wow, that's, it's huge. You know, I said, I hope we, we fill it up, which we didn't, but you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we, we had, to, we had a couple of thousand in there, I know, but not anything to fill it up. It was closer down to the ring, but, uh, he said, so what are you going to do tonight? And I looked over at that spot and I said, how about if I come off of that? And he goes, are you kidding me? I go, no, I'll do that. And he goes, you're going to do that for tonight's show? And I was like, yeah. And it was like, he was ecstatic, you know. I, and I was, you know, that's what I gave to him. And in return, I, of course, I got shit on, you know. Yeah. He still didn't like me enough to, what he called. He, he didn't, I don't think he liked me getting the status that I got. You know what I mean? I think he, he just truly envied my my upcoming and he wasn't where he where i was you know what i mean yeah 
no matter how much he put himself on that, you know, on the, the top of the matches, being part of the main event all the time, and it was basically like the Rob Black show, you know, that's not what the fans were coming there for. They were coming there to see performers wrestle. Your show is one thing. You can get the ratings on your TV show and hype yourself all you want. But in the end, the fans come there to see the wrestling, you know, and, and I think he just didn't like that, you know, that some people got to a certain level and he didn't like it. I understand, bro. <clears throat> um, the next one, uh, we're getting away from wrestling now. Do you have a favorite book? A favorite book? Uh, you know, I, I, uh, the first and only book that I read was First Blood. Rambo, First Blood. Yep. So that was the first and only book that I actually read from page one to, to the very end. Right. Uh, I wasn't I wasn't really good in reading and writing when I was growing up. I had uh, dyslexia. I still do, but I learned how to overcome that. Uh, part of the reason why I'm not that great on computers and stuff. <laughs> but uh, um, I, uh, yeah, I didn't I didn't read much. I, I had a lot of learning disabilities, and then having to go to another country, I had to learn a whole different language. You yeah. know, basically out of the blue because. Uh, the reason why I went to, you know, I'll cut it short, but I went to Israel because my cousin, a cousin of mine was kidnapped and held ransom for half a million dollars. And we still never got his body. I mean, we never, we never retrieved a body. And my family paid the ransom and never uh, got the child back. And uh, it was a horrible thing that happened to my family here in the States. And because I was Jewish, my, uh, my family sent me and my mom to Israel to get away from this person because it was still uh, a big thing i can't i can't really i don't i mean i do discuss it sometimes and i probably shouldn't get too much in detail but uh, the las vegas nevada uh, mob was partially part of it my family were very rich jewish people that had a carpet company and diamond companies in vegas and stuff so they schmoozed with the the mob putting all the carpets in all the hotels and, and stuff. And, and that's what happened. You know, when, when you got money and you flaunt it, people tend to see what you have and want it. And then next thing you know, they're kidnapping your kid and wanting a half a million dollars for him. So that was, that was a, a syn quick synopsis is why I went to Israel and why <laughs> I have a hard time reading. <laughs> yeah. I read, I read a lot of stuff like, you know, National Geographic is my favorite book. If you want to ask me what my favorite book, that is totally should be in every fucking kid's uh, library as a National Geographic uh, subscription. That's every great. kid should have that at a certain age. They should yeah. have National Geographic on their table at all times. Because yeah. that is that is what helps you learn things around the world and nature and, and how we are a big one, you know, entity. But not a lot, not enough people are like that. But next question, man. You give me all kinds of crap. <laughs> uh, the next one, bro, is a favorite TV show, uh, whether, you know, one from when you were a kid or or if you're watching anything now. Um. Well, you know, I'm a big zombie kind of person. So Walking Dead probably oh, yes. is definitely on the top of my 
on my list. Uh, I just finished watching all, I, I binge watched uh, Supernatural. That was really good. And I guess they're going to be doing another season for some, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, I like that. That was all right. I mean, it was nothing like uh, Walking Dead. Um, let's see. An uh, old school, I grew up watching The A-Team, you know. <laughs> uh, that was one of my favorite shows. And uh, again, you know, you asked per, uh, a perfect question kind of asking me that because uh, Different Strokes, you know that show? Yeah. With, with uh, the girl, Kimberly and uh, Arnold and Willis, yeah. right? So Kimberly was Dana Plato. That was my cousin. Oh, really? Yeah, she was a cousin of mine. She's my, on my, uh, my mom's dad's side, my grandpa's side of the family. She was, she was, uh, yeah, she was a cousin of mine. So I actually got into doing commercials because of her. Oh, cool. Yeah. She used to watch me when I was a little kid. And then, uh, um, you know, she ended up getting me hooked up with a person and I did commercials for Tommy toys, May company, Maxwell house. Um, what other, did I say McDonald's? No. I was one of the kids, wow. kids that ran up to me, to Ronald and we were like, Ronald, Ronald, you know, and we're like, all right, come on, let's do it again. This kid didn't look like he was happy, you know, whatever. <laughs> I, I did commercials when I was a kid. So, yeah. That's really cool. Yep. I used to, you know, of course, that was one of my favorites because I was my cousin on that. Awesome, bro. Um, do you have a favorite film? A favorite film? Uh, my number one all-time favorite film is Conan the Barbarian. Good when choice. I saw that, when I was when I was a kid, my cousin had it. He was I was only like <laughs> five or six, um, and my cousin was thirteen, so he had a little bit more adult films and on cassette and stuff. And so when when I was over there, I would have time and then watch those movies with him or alone, you know, and. Man, I, I think I've watched Conan the Barbarian a, a million times probably throughout my, my living. You know, I always had it on DVD or video or something, you know. And the soundtrack, I listened to the soundtrack too, you know. <laughs> Excellent, so, bro. Good choice. Very good choice. Definitely my top. Cool. Uh, favorite musical artist or band? Oh, God. Um. I'm going to say, and you probably, I don't know if you, they're very big or not, but from the 70s, 80s, uh, Super Tramp. Oh, cool. Yep. So Super that. Tramp is probably one of my favorite all times and still will be always my favorite. Breakfast in America is, I mean, if you could, the way I look at it, if you could, if you have an album and you could sing word for word every song in that album and you don't flip songs, you know that's your favorite album you know what i mean and so that's definitely one of them that i can you know breakfast in america has always been one of my favorite albums of all time and i guess so so are they <laughs> but i love i love i listen I, I listen to everything everything even like uh sounds of australia you know what i mean uh i listen to sound stuff listen to uh 
um, stuff for meditation, you know, uh, a big, a big genre that I like is, uh, um, what do you call it? Uh, bluegrass, you yeah. know, with the banjos, the yeah, bluegrass, awesome. you know, I don't really like country much. I don't like the modern country. Some of the older Western country, like, uh, Kenny Rogers and, uh, Dolly Parton, you know, I like them, but I didn't really get into the Loretta Lynn's and all that stuff. But I listen to it now because my girlfriend does. But I listen to country. Um, I love rap. Some of it is stupid. Some of it's not. My favorite rap singer of all time is uh, Buster Rhymes. Uh, I love Snoop Dogg also. I was a big NWA fan. Yeah. Uh, I've listened to Metallica. I come out to Metallica. That's my favorite song to come out to as Homeless Jimmy who is uh, from wherever I may roam. <laughs> yeah. You know that one, right? Yeah. yeah. No mad vagabond, call me what you will. That was my song. They made it for me, man. <laughs> Perfect for Homeless Jimmy. Um, yeah, it was. <laughs> um, you know, this, you know, you know uh, they, they actually sued people for using their songs and stuff before. They don't they don't give people permission to use their their songs a lot. Yeah. So I got, I got away with using that from, you know, 99 all the way until I retired. I used that <laughs> song, I used one of their songs. So <laughs> awesome, bro. Um, getting away from the arts now, uh, do you have a favorite food? Favorite food? I don't know. Uh, mashed potatoes and. Uh, and steak was always a favorite of mine. I, again, I'm a cultural person, so I like to try different things. Yep. I've eaten all different types of food, Hindu, Indian food, uh, Ethiopian food, uh, you name it, Russian, Argentinian. I've had, I've had everything. I've, I've been a connoisseur of, of foods for a long time and been there, you know, like I said, I've, I've, I've done a lot. I've been, if I had a book, I would write a book and it would be called Homeless Jimmy's Been There, Done That. You think that's a catchy, <laughs> a catchy slogan? I think that been would work. There, been there, done that because I've done a lot of things. I've seen a lot of things. I've been a lot of places. I've lived in a lot of places. I lived in like five different states here in America in only 20 something years. Yeah. And then lived in Israel for 12 and a half years, born here and raised here, but lived in different parts of the city. My mom, like I said, moved everywhere all the time. I never had two school pictures from the same school. Wow. Um, let's see. You know, I've I've learned how to ride horses. I learned martial arts. I tackled tackled uh, three major martial arts things, you know, judo, karate, kung fu. Then in the Israeli army, I, I trained in uh, Krav Maga, so I know that. I used to drive, I've driven, driven everything from box trucks, which was my first time learning how to drive. I was put in behind a big truck, right? I had to do the double clutch and everything with the, the 16, 18 gear, whatever it was. Not the big, big ones, but a, a big truck. You know, I had a convoy trucks. And that was my first thing that I learned how to do was in the Israeli army, they picked me up and, and taught me how to drive trucks. And then I drove Jeeps, Hummers, uh, the um, half tracks, which have like the front big giant wheel. And then the back is, uh, it looks like a tank, like a yeah. tank in the truck had a baby, you know, 
uh, I drove those. The only thing I didn't get that I missed out was uh, skydiving. I haven't done that yet. Uh, I haven't swam with sharks yet. Uh, but I did go water skiing. I jumped off of a building. On If you look up Homeless Jimmy on YouTube, there's videos and there's one of them where I jump off the stratosphere in Las Vegas, which is their tallest <laughs> building out there. Yeah. I, I jumped off of that with just wires hooked up on me. Oh my God, Bryce. <laughs> yeah, you got you to check that out if you haven't seen that. I've got to check but that yeah, out gonna, for sure. Gonna be, one day, hopefully, if I can get some uh, money and a, and a uh, what are they called? Shadow writer or skeleton writer or somebody that can ghost write writer? a ghost writer. Yeah, I need a ghost writer so I can put all this in a, in a book. I thought of doing a like a DVD kind of like what we're doing, but just put it on DVD, you know, and and sell it as homeless Jimmy's been there, done that. And it was <laughs> stories, stories and then matches in between or a story and and, you know, a, a compilation where it has a DVD with the stories and a DVD with the matches, you know? Yeah, that sounds cool. Um, do you have a favorite place to eat on the road? Uh, I, I love IHOP. IHOP, right. I've always been an IHOP fan when I was a kid. I grew up eating, you know, IHOP and uh, I like I like the Del Taco, but I have to stop eating all that junk food because of my high blood pressure. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. The next one is, uh, do, do you have a favorite alcoholic beverage? And if you don't drink alcohol, just a favorite beverage in general. Well, you know, I, I'll nurse a beer. I'm not a big drinker. I, I've nursed beers before, you know what I mean? I'll drink one uh, preference. I, I like, uh, what do you call it? Um, uh, Corona. Yeah, cool. Uh, some of the, they have even better Coronas, like the whatever it is, the extra or the whatever. <laughs> yeah they have the little special ones that those are good um but i could drink pretty much any beer i've i've tried again just like food i've tried different l's and and uh, lagers and this and that uh i did a um i did a quick uh, uh race or whatever it was a competition where you drank uh a pitcher of uh, guinness the, uh, the uh, company man from Guinness came out to Israel and he was trying to get them to sell at the club that I was at. And he had a bunch of people try and chug and the, the winner got a t-shirt and it was a Guinness t-shirt. And I was actually the first shirt I used to wear when I was homeless Jimmy. <laughs> but I got awesome. that in, uh, in a competition. So I've, I've drinking anything, uh, hard liquor, you know, I've, I've, I've had it all. I like it all. Whiskey is good, you know, but I've tried vodka. <clears throat> I've tried mixed drinks. I've tried them all. I'm a, like I said, I, I'm one of those people that I want to do pretty much anything and everything, almost everything and anything. Pretty close to it. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> the second last one here, bro, on this segment uh, is, uh, I guess, the naughtiest question of, of them all uh favorite female body part you see a good looking lady where do homeless jimmy's eyes go to first gosh um you know i i, I do like a pretty face 
I prefer, you know, they, it can't be an ogo. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a type of person that, you know, I don't like to jump around. So I, I want to be with somebody that I know I'm going to be with for a while and you got to like their face for one. Yep. Um, but after that, man, I mean, I, I've changed throughout the years. I used to be an ass person. Uh, I like the camel toe. You know what I mean? Uh, breasts have never been an issue for me. I mean, I like them all. Uh, not too fond of the fake ones. I've seen a lot of fake ones and it just didn't do nothing for me. Yeah. Uh, I prefer it to be real. And if it sags, it sags. It's just life. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, and as you get older you got to get used to those things uh, uh, but, so. excellent answer though i'd have to say the face is a fantastic answer and the last one here homeless jimmy do you have a favorite curse word uh, i say fuck a lot i guess yeah that's usually the number one answer for that question on this show. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, homeless Jimmy, I really appreciate your time, bro. Uh, this has been really fun to learn about you. I've learned so much more than I than I thought I I knew about you before. This has really been uh, uh, an informative session uh, on your life. So I I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me here today. Um, and I say it all the time. You might have said earlier that you didn't make it to the tippy top of the wrestling business, but I think this is really important that um, I live in the most isolated city in the world, Perth, Western Australia. So for me to be a fan of you and to reach all the way over to the most isolated city in the world, I think that uh, speaks volumes and that you should be very proud of what you've accomplished, not only in wrestling, but in life. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. That and, means a uh, lot. That really means a lot. I appreciate that. And I appreciate you being on the show, sir. So thank you very much. Yeah. So uh, are we going to keep in touch now? Or are you going to start doing Facebook? <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll start keep, uh, keeping in touch with you on Facebook, bro. Uh, absolutely. Uh, good deal. Well, well, thanks, uh, thanks, Jimmy. Really appreciate it, man.